The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope that you're all staying well, taking care of yourselves and each other. As I'm sure you can hear, I have the cold, flu, not quite sure, not Covid, thank goodness. Today Louise and I chat with the brilliant Sarah Sharawi and we discuss her new play, Sister Radio. This is actually the first of two episodes that are coming out today. This one's about Sarah and her incredible work. We also talk about the difference between Egyptian theatre and European theatre. We discuss... Oh, God, we discuss so much, but we also discuss... um, the theatrical community's response, or lack of response, I should say, to the events happening in Iran at the moment. And we as persistent and nasty know that we need to do more and we are using this as a call out to all of those in particular in Scotland because of where we are based but across the UK that we ask our theatre community to stand with all of those people in Iran who are um, fighting for their lives right now and for their freedom to choose what to do. Um, we managed to rally very quickly for the people of Ukraine um, and we understand it is a revolution is different to a war however um, the silence is pretty deafening and I think we all need to really look at ourselves on that Sarah is a brilliant inspirational um, writer and speaker and I know that you are going to enjoy this conversation as much as Louise and I did you can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. Um, you can follow both Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. For those of you who are inclined to do so, any support you can give to us and our unfunded initiative is greatly received. We appreciate every single one of you and the link um, to our PayPal is in today's episode notes. Along with how you can get tickets for Sister Radio. And if you're in Glasgow today, get yourself along to the Tron to see this brilliant show. Uh, for today's episode, oh, I don't know. I am obviously feeling very ill. So I'll probably be having um, some hot water with some lemon, honey, ginger, trying to clear all that. Maybe you want a hot chocolate. Um, maybe even a wee Gaelic or Irish coffee. Or, you know, just a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax and enjoy. I've actually got a hot water bottle because I'm absolutely freezing. Yeah. And I'm not putting cold. I'm not putting <laughs> on yet. Yeah, yeah, that's a political issue, having a hot water bottle on. I don't want to put the heat on yet. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, same. Also, because I want to just go, no, I'm not fucking giving you my money, you bunch yeah. of dicks. <laughs> 
Yeah. I nearly dropped a C-bum and we're not even like 30 <laughs> seconds in. I've pulled myself back. It's all good. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, Sarah, we are over the moon to have you. Um, it has been a long time coming, you getting on this podcast, uh, Sarah Sharawi, for those of you who don't know. Um, and I was thinking about it the other day. It was like, Sarah was a, our, one of our guest panellists on our very first event. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. I, I, I was wondering, that was the first thing that you guys did. Yeah, I think. it was yeah. our very, very first thing. And that was January of 2018. It was a long time ago. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, and then you uh, did a brilliant thing with Lou and I at iWrite. We did a yep. little workshop um, in the Mitchell Library. So, I mean, you've been on the top of our want list for a while, Sarah. So the fact that you're here, I'm like, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's great to be here. I'm really excited. Yeah. So excited. So for our listeners um, who don't know you and how dare they not, um, please give us a little uh, potted history of you, your career, how you found your way into this industry of ours. The floor yeah. is yours, as they say. Okay. So, yeah, I'm a playwright. Uh, primarily obviously at the beginning of my career I did a lot of other bits and bobs mainly around producing and admin and mainly around international work because I'm Egyptian so I'm an Egyptian playwright but I've been based in Scotland for 11 years which is shocking to me Uh, it feels like I just arrived still Uh, And yeah, and the plan, when I arrived here 11 years ago, I was a student in Edinburgh Uni, I was studying, uh, I did a master's in European theatre in Edinburgh, and um, the plan was always to stay for three years, I kept saying three years max, and then I'm going to go back, I'm going to learn what I can about theatre, and then I'm going to go back to Egypt, and yeah, it's, uh, it's it's 11 years now, and I finally accepted that I am uh, a migrant to Scotland. I used to say I'm a visitor. I am now a migrant. I fully settled here, I guess. Um, lucky yeah. us. Lucky us. <laughs> so I'm going to say lucky us. Um, so yeah, so I think in the beginning when I arrived, I was a student. I knew that I I, I, I loved theatre. I knew I wanted to do something theatre. I was unsure. I didn't know whether I was going to be an actor or whether I knew I didn't like directing um and that was the only thing I knew I didn't know what it is that I wanted to do um and then in 2012 I sort of had a meltdown in a Joe Clifford uh workshop and Joe put me in touch with uh Oren Moore with Play Pipe Pint and they were doing an Arab season of plays and so I worked I did a bit of translation for them and I met David Gregg and he was like, do you act? And then he cast me in the show he was directing and devising. And yeah, and so that's how my career started. It was called One Day in Spring or more. Um, I think I did some readings and, 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 and um, perform, you know, reading and hosting, but I've not really done a full on performance where I learn lines and stuff since then. Uh, but it was lots of fun. It was a really fun show to to put on, a really emotional show because it was about the revolution, obviously. Um, and I think, yeah, it was David and a couple of other playwrights who basically said, do you write? You know, they asked me if I 
had ever written anything. And I said, no, I, I'm not a playwright. And they were like, well, you should think about writing plays because you've got you've got a feel for it. You've got you tell stories, you tell interesting stories. And yeah, so I started writing. Uh, I've been writing since 2013. Uh, Julia Todovan was one of these playwrights that really pushed me to write. Uh, and yeah, and I sent her one of the first things I'd ever written. And she asked me if I wanted to be part of um, a program she was curating at the Tron in 2013. And I wrote a monologue um, about a woman and it was sort of a, a rapid response to um, mob sexual assaults happening in demonstrations in Egypt at the time. And that was developed into a one hour show, which was Nakabi Ninja, which went on last year. Uh, so yeah, so it was a long, long road. I wrote, I wrote Nakabi Ninja in 2013, 2014. Um, I did all of the sort of trajectory that emerging playwrights go on in Scotland. I did the mentoring program with Playwright Studio. I was a new uh, Playwright Award, which is not called New Playwright Award anymore. Um, can't remember what it's called now. Uh, I was on a program called Breakthrough Writers with NTS which was supposed to, um, it was it was between Oren Moore and, and TS, and you're supposed to develop a play, which then gets a playwright's first production with Oren Moore, but that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, I did write the play, but it never, it never got, I never got the commission for Play Pie Pint. Um, so yeah, so by the time I was in 2017, I had like three, four plays written, um, but but hadn't seen, hadn't gone beyond the the reading stage. And I'd had a lot of did a lot of work with Village Pub Theatre. Um, did yeah, did a lot of rehearsal readings. I was in that sort of wormhole of development that emerging playwrights sort of find themselves in. Did a lot of like readings, whether at the Tron. Um, Village Pub Theatre, I uh, can't remember now off the top of my head. And then finally, I think in 2019, I got my first couple of commissions. And one of them was Sister Radio, which Stellar Quines and Pearl Fisher uh, co-commissioned. Uh, and then, yeah, sort of things, things started happening um, around 2019 to 2020, which is odd because when 2020 happened, we were all questioning whether theatre was you know going to survive this pandemic uh, and that's when my career took off so that was a really paradoxical experience for me it's like yeah. oh wow yeah so yeah I think it's a very long nutshell but that's me in a nutshell that's my career great in a nutshell, nutshell. <laughs> it was a great nutshell and I loved it um so uh, Sister Radio is touring um yeah. and Let's, I mean, obviously let's talk about that and all your other work. But I think one of the big things that I would love to know is the difference between like European theatre and Egyptian theatre and like what that impact has on your writing and mm. the way you want a performance to go. Um, That's quite a big question. So one of the things about Egyptian theatre is um, at the moment, we don't really, ha it's not really a text-based theatre. It's much more in the live art, performance art, multidisciplinary art. Um, 
And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Censorship being a big one. Uh, it's much harder to censor um, work that is not based on words. Uh, so so that that's a really big difference. However, we do have a tradition of text-based theater and we in Egypt we do have a sort of golden age which was around the 50s and 60s and that's the theater that I discovered in university in Egypt and I was really really into uh, and a lot of that so Egyptian drama there's a lot of um, absurd theater of the absurd and again I think censorship being one of them but also I think um, w- when you grow up in the bureaucracy um, in Egypt and the government, when you grow up under a military dictatorship, um, things are very absurd. Like the, the absurdity levels, uh, particularly around violence, the absurdity of violence, uh, sometimes can only be processed through things like theater of the absurd or black comedy, dark humor. Dark humor is huge as well. Um, melodrama is something I love and is huge. It's a huge part of the of, of the narrative. Um, yeah, I think that's the most, that, those are the biggest sort of differences uh, between, between, between the two. Uh, and of course, uh, I'd say Egyptian theatre also is heavily influenced by European theatre. Like definitely when you study um, theatre there, you do study the, the Western canon. It is a Eurocentric um, canon still. Even even within within the region, um, but that of obviously artists particularly artists every I think every decade a new sort of generation of artists emerged that sort of push against that bit by bit by bit, uh, which is really exciting. There's a lot of work in Egypt that is uh, quite complex and quite quite exciting in that way. Um, yeah, I I find. I find that there's something about Scottish theatre that I feel really speaks to Egyptian theatre, um, which is why I think I've always been attracted to to theatre here more than down south or other parts of Europe. Um, I think there's something about sort of traditional storytelling and that and that sort of oral tradition of passing down stories is is uh, there's a quality to it that's quite quite similar. Um, and it, it obviously in Scotland is different, but the variety, I think variety theatre and the sort of um, performances with music and um, sort of the humour. And I, I, there, there is there is sort of connections there that that speak to me from both cultures. Um, but yeah, but I'm sort of losing losing I think yeah yeah so oh, that that great. that that's my <laughs> sorry I can ramble all day about this sort of stuff that, no that... I mean and I'm like I'm like sitting here good I'm sticking it all in yes 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 <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah yeah there is there is something there is something they're very different but there's also there's um there is a what's the word there's an energy to the the to the to the to, to the way we sort of express ourselves and narrative wise that I feel like an affinity to there is there is there is connection there that I'm really interested in in my in my own work. Uh, yeah, I guess in my own work, what I what I love, like I think my work is much more Scottish than it is Egyptian. Uh, even though the stories I tell aren't necessarily set in Scotland, but I really um, 
I, I, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I can't explain it in rational sort of logical terms. I can't really express, articulate what it is about my writing that is Scottish. But to me, it always feels very Scottish. The rhythm of it, the telling of it, the relationship with the audience. Um, but at the same time, um, I think, for example, my language is very much still Egyptian. Um, I've started telling people I write in migrants English. Uh, English as a second language has, has always been my first language because my parents don't speak each other's languages. My mom's Italian and my dad's Egyptian. So English was always the shared language. But I never, like, I guess I'm not authentically English. You know, I'm not American or I'm not... Um, uh, British or I'm not uh, Australian or I'm not South African you know like it's always been a, se a second language and I think that you can really see in the grammar and the way I write certain uh, sentences and the rhythm of it um, so I'd say uh, that, the, the, that sometimes particularly if I'm writing Arabic characters or Egyptian characters you can hear the Arabic behind the words um, which for for non-Arabic speakers, it, it, it feels weird in the mouth <laughs> for actors. I mean, non-Arabic speaking actors can feel a little bit, they can struggle a bit with that. Um, but I've learned, I wasn't conscious of it when I first started writing, but I've learned that actually this is quite um, quite a big part of my writing, that I write in migrants English and I write in a, and I write differently to, to other people who maybe, um, uh, bring a, a different type of, I guess, uh, authenticity. I don't like using the word authentic, but yeah, a tr truth, I guess. Um, the other thing is like, I really like um, melodrama. I'm a big fan of melodrama, as I mentioned before. I think that's a huge part of um, Egyptian drama. Uh, and sometimes it can be really kitschy. And I, I love kitsch. I think that can be quite fun. And sometimes it can be really truthful. And I really enjoy that. I really enjoy things being heightened. I really enjoy emotions being heightened. This idea of like drama needs to be good, good drama, or the well made play needs to be understated needs to be subtle is really not that interesting. For me, um, I like also melodrama or soap operas or whatever. It's such a populist, like universal populist form. And I think that's really interesting. So you'll find that pops up in my work quite often. And I, I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, some people don't like it and they think it's a bit cringe, but I really, I think it, I, I enjoy it. And also like, yeah. If if people it depends it depends on who thinks it's cringe because a lot of the time it's a very specific sort of male middle class gaze that thinks it's cringe uh, and I'm like yeah that's because this is not these are not emotions that you go through or these this is not an, you know this is not a journey that you go through or think about or you know is at the back of your mind growing up because to you it's like oh it's over the top and it's like yeah that's not that's not something that you live with. It's not in your bones, you know. Um, yeah, so so that that really speaks to me. Um, I would love, like, I think Theatre of the Absurd is so cool. And I would love to be able to write that. But I don't have the brain. I just don't have the brain for it. Um, 
it's one of the, I mean, maybe one day, but it's one of the things that you need to, you need to sort of accept that you think a thing is really, really cool. And it's just not a thing I can achieve or do at this moment in time. Um, A lot of my work is about uh, challenging quite big structures. So I write a lot about state, state violence. I'm interested in in big institutions that uh, have very little pushback, like the police. Uh, Big patriarchal institutions are sort of like they're they're fully in my work. Um, Whether, yeah, it's big macro, like, governments police or whether it's like really micro like sort of internalized patriarchy or not even internalized patriarchy as much as sort of um like I guess sister radio is about for me is about women that are unable to really push back at what society um expects from them or or the sort of fence that they're 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 put in by men and their family or by patriarchy as a as a society. Uh, Nakabi Ninja was about like um, like just direct, full on, overt violence um, of their bodies of their bodies in public space. Um, and yeah, so like I'm always it's, these are these are things I'm really. Uh, sometimes they're seen as issue plays or political plays, uh, but for me, um, and and this is maybe, this is maybe where uh, my Egyptian side really comes out. It's like to me, art and politics are not separate things, and they never like the idea that they could be. It's just like. Um, it's just not true. Like even if the choice to be apolitical is a political choice. Like to me, that's always it's it's uh, what what is seen as an issue play for me is is I'm just I'm processing the world that we live in, and I'm really interested in these incredibly um, complex and and uh, what's the word and difficult like difficult difficult situations, structures, um, turn of events that that we're in. Like, uh, yeah, like I think, I think it's Dario Fo that said, a theater that doesn't, a, a theater needs to speak for its time. And I think it, you, ha- you have to, and it's not about like writing, something preachy or campaigny or being like, you know, it doesn't have to be agitprop or whatever, but like uh, theater is a processing of, of the world around us. And so, yeah. So like, I think, I think the subject matter that I have in my, in my work is very much rooted in a, in, 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 an Egyptian sort of trajectory in an Egyptian, Egyptian, Middle Eastern, North African, uh, whatever, you know, like it's, it's definitely rooted in that region and definitely rooted like those, those are the bones of, of my writing. Yeah. I love how Louise and I both pause because I was like, is Louise going to speak or am I going to speak? <laughs> <laughs> After all this time, we're still not very good at that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what were you, were you going to say something? No, no, you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was just, I mean, I'd like to hear more about Sister Radio, obviously, but um, I was reading a, an interview, I think it was uh, with you and Caitlin in the Scotsman recently, and you said, you said something really, I thought was really interesting and, and brilliant about um, South Asian stories and, and representation of these stories in, in Scotland in particular, because these stories are woven into the fabric of Scotland and, and where is Scotland's like East is East, for example. And, and I just thought that I just that struck me as really true and really like, yeah, that's a really important point. And I just wondered if you speak to that a little bit, because I just thought that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. I was a bit like because I was that was that was me rambling and he put it in and I was just like, this has nothing to do with the show. That was just me <laughs> rambling. And when I said, where is East? Is I was, it was a genuine question. I was genuinely yeah. asking Mark Fisher, like, does Scotland have an equivalent? Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> did, he have, <laughs> did he have an answer? What did he say? He said, I think he said, oh, no, I don't think so. I've never. Yeah. Not that I know of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I mean, it's something that, that, I've I've heard you know I've heard we've been discussing behind the scenes loads I've had sort of private conversations and stuff and like for me particularly the 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 reason I mentioned South Asian is just because it's such an established community uh, such an established Scottish community and the fact that we don't we don't see that on, you know, on our TV or on stage or it's really strange. It just, it's, it's really, it's really, really strange. And I think it's, it's such a pity because the talent, I mean, there's so much talent and, you know, like there's a button and there are a bunch of artists sort of coming out, which is great. Um, but, you know, I gave, I gave, uh, workshops at the Glasgow Women's Library for Muslim women and uh, most of them not all but most of them were uh, Scottish Pakistani and the plays you know I, we sort of worked towards writing 10 minute plays and this plays that came out of that workshop were brilliant they were so funny and they were so specific and they were so Scottish and so Scottish Pakistani you know like there were there were all these things and I I just sort of felt like they should be they should be on on our stages they should be definitely yeah. they should they should be commissioning they should be staged they should be developed they should like all these things because like there was just so much variety in tone and voice and humor um and I, yeah, so like to me, I, I don't know, like to me, because we talk a lot about like, I guess my worry is this whole like POC, people, artists of color, people of color, whatever, we start, we all get grouped as one. It's a big umbrella term. And I think it's really useful sometimes, but in terms of like these big institutions, um, it, 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 <sighs> We become one box, you know, we become one and it sort of goes, oh, we just need one person of that community. And it's a huge, it's not a community, it's an umbrella term for loads of communities. So, yeah, so I sort of feel like it needs to, let's not erase one another. Let's not erase each other's stories uh, because institutions feel like there isn't space, like, oh, we've already done 
I, and you know, I don't want to say, but we've already done the ethnic play or whatever. Like, it, it, no, there needs to be sustained support and development and nourishment and listening. You know, listening to to the artists from those from those communities. And yeah, I guess at the time, because I got a sort of, I think, I think I was asked about representation and so on and so forth. And I, I, I mean, I've been, I've been talking about representation for a very long time for a very long very very long time and like I I kind of stopped doing that I don't do panel discussions anymore because I was being asked to do panels way more than I was being asked about my work I was asked about these sort of opinions and stuff and I guess my point my point when he I was asked about representation was like yeah Obviously, I'm glad that I can represent um, a Middle Eastern community within Scotland and, or a migrant community or whatever. Um, but also, we, we need to step back from talking about it in these terms and we need to really think about what is Scotland, who is Scotland, and is that reflected on these stages? You know, like, what are the stories that are missing? What are the, the communities that are super established in the fabric of of what we call Scotland and yeah and what is missing and let's address that specifically um I hope I'm making sense I feel like oh, yeah. I'm talking yeah. no, <laughs> a very big rambly term sorry <laughs> it's so good I can listen to you talk for forever but you're very articulate and interesting and fab. You're not <laughs> but I just love that question what is Scotland because that was something that just made me think and I was reading that article was just like and, it, and it, it, it when you were re referencing earlier the you know the attitudes the think you know the sort of middle class white predominantly male attitude of seeing certain things as cringe or or you know big institutions having this tick box approach to like their seasons and like oh, well, well we've done the issue play or we've done the woman play we've done the ethnic yeah. play or whatever and it's like the, particularly in Glasgow like I the, the 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 Muslim women you were working with at Glasgow Live. I would love to see those plays because mm. you know if you grow up particularly in Glasgow in a sort of you know working class or sort of upwardly to middle class whatever I, I hate talking about class identity but it is a multicultural mm -hmm. city to grow up and these are stories that I'm familiar with because they are surrounded by I was surrounded by people who you know at school and stuff like that who weren't necessary who weren't who weren't white and it's just like I I those are stories of Scotland and I want to see them mm -hmm. so that just kind of got it kind of got me all energized <laughs> and you're right that's the question it's what is what is Scotland who is Scotland and Scotland is is a lot of things it's not just yeah. kind of monolithic yeah now I'm rambling <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but it is because I mean it's it's a lot of exciting things as well like it's 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 contradictory it's paradoxical it's it's uh it's really rich it's got a gazillion languages it's got a gazillion even like if we talk about scots like even within within that within the languages of scotland if you want to call call those that i think the languages of scotland is it's a wide variety um and it's exciting and you kind of want to you want to see those stories beyond the framework of oh 
this yeah woman's story oh middle eastern story oh you know like we don't like the, i find these labels so minimizing i guess or essentializing and i feel like yeah but it's it's let's open it up a bit more let's open up these labels a bit more let's open up what we think of as scottish a bit more um, because I I find I think I'm incredibly Scottish. Like I, the way I talk has changed. The way I behave has changed. Well, not really, but but you know, the way I interact with the world is very, very, very Scottish. And when I go back home in Egypt, I just I feel like a tourist now. It's really it's this is quite it's causing me like quite a big internal crisis. I'm like, oh my god. But yeah, but the way I express myself is Scottish, and I'd like. To someone who's grown up here, they might go, oh, where are you from? You know, you sound different and stuff. And I don't mind that, by the way. Like, I know it's like causes a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. But I don't I think I think it's a I think it's a fun question uh, because I get to, like, tell them my life story. Uh, but yeah, but I feel like I might not be. Certain people's idea of what Scottish is. But I am <laughs> like I'm, I, I've been living. I've lived here a long time, and um, I got I get referred to as British Egyptian now in like reviews and in the media. People say I'm British Egyptian. I keep going like I'm not British Egyptian, but if people refer to me as Scottish Egyptian, I'll I'll accept it. And I'm not I'm not for nationalism, but I just it feels weird <laughs> to be called British because I feel like. I feel like the media has started saying, oh, you've assimilated or so." there's something really weird that's sort of I was like, going to say that there's a different vibe with that. Yeah. There's the Scottish a, Egyptian than the British Egyptian. There's a definite that, oh, I don't know. How, I don't know if I'm going to say this right or wrong or what. But for me, like listening, just as you say that, that's it. Does, assimilation, that sense of you're being accepted. Yeah, there's something bureaucratic about it. It's like, yes, oh, that's you worth thank you, Sarah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you've got the, the passport. And I don't have the passport, by the way. I'm here as an E, I'm still here as an EU citizen for now. Who knows Yay. how long? <laughs> Who knows? I'm here. I'm here until like I I don't know, I get kicked out, I guess, or or it gets really, I keep saying, or it gets really, really bad and we jump ship, but it's like really, really bad right now. So I'm not entirely sure <laughs> when, when really, really bad that I jump ship is going to be. Can I jump ship with you? When you... <laughs> <laughs> I'll t- I'll, let's go. Let's go. I don't know where we'd go because like, it's pretty bad everywhere right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. Um, let's talk about Sister Radio, though. Yeah. Great. So, tell us, obviously, as you mentioned, you started this in uh, 2019? The, okay, so... 2020. Yeah, the first, the first conversation was actually in 2017. So I've had this idea for, since 2017, um, and Caitlin and Philip Howard came and, and um, chatted to me about it. And I was like, oh, I've got this idea about two sisters who um, have lived together all their lives, but don't speak. And they were like, right, okay. It might take some time to get the funding. 
and it did take a long time to get the funding um because yeah when when you're not an RFO and you're not you know I don't know the the funding situation um it's it's more complex when it's a smaller um company and I think it was 2019 when the funding came in and that's when I really sort of sat down no it was 2020 2020 is when the funding came in right before the pandemic I think end of 2019 beginning of 2020 and yeah so that's when I started I started writing it in 2020 um I gave my first draft in and thinking it's going to take forever to get to get it programmed it's never it's not going to see a stage I can take my time with the development and the feedback sessions and the redrafting it's going to take forever it's going to be fine and then like six months later well, first of all, six months later, Caitlin is artistic director of Stellar Quines. And then suddenly she's calling me and saying, Pit Lachry would like to program it. What do you think? And I was like, oh, that'd be amazing. But then, yeah, suddenly I was like, oh, there's a time limit to the redrafting and the developing. And that had to happen a lot faster than I had anticipated. Um, but I loved it. I loved the sort of process of oh, this is actually going to see a stage. Because, <laughs> like, I'd been writing for seven years and so sort of a vacuum of, like, potentials. Uh, and I'd had Nikobi Ninja on last year. And that that had to be re-adapted. I loved, I have to say, I absolutely loved. And <laughs> I, when I first moved to Glasgow, I lived in Pollock Shields. So I have such affection for it. So I just have to say, I absolutely loved it. And I sat in oh. the gardens um, and cried my eyes out. It was beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So like I'd had that, and that was a slightly different because it was a much older piece. Um, and I'd been working on it for years and years and years. And then suddenly I had to, you know, adapt it for uh, an audio piece rather than a, a staged play. Um, so that had a very different sort of like um, quite fragmented process uh, in its entirety, obviously. Uh, while Sister Radio, it was just like quite quick and quite like, yeah, you it was it's it feels it feels it's a different drive to 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 get it ready for get get a rehearsal draft ready. Um, that was really really exciting it was really yeah it was it felt it felt um it really helps with the motivation because I'm not I'm not gonna lie I stopped writing between 2017 and 2019 just because like when you spend so much energy trying to get work on and not just not getting out of this um yeah, getting out of this phase of just constant rehearsal readings, uh, not even rehearsal, just readings, rehearsed readings, that's the word, staged readings, rehearsed readings. Um, when you spend so long in that space, it gets really hard to motivate yourself to keep writing for the, I don't know, for the sake of writing or keep writing for rehearsed readings. It, it, it kind of feels, I could be writing short stories or something that you sort of do on your own. I don't know, yeah. Um, but uh, yet yeah, to write towards a production, to write towards something that's actually going to happen, 
that was so exciting. It was so, so much fun and a bit stressful, but mainly fun. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was really, it was, it was a really good, quite smooth process. I'd like to, at least from my side, it was quite smooth. It's quite good. <laughs> I don't know what Caitlin thinks. Maybe we'll have to hear it. I'm sure Caitlin <laughs> feels the same. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. I hope she does. <laughs> yeah. So you've kind of touched on the um, story of um, mm-hmm. Sister Radio, but if you can tell us a little bit more and then we'll give everybody the dates of where it's on yep. and when they can see it, all, all of the good stuff. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so Sister Radio is about two sisters um, who have um, emigrated from Iran in the 70s. Um, and it's on, a, it's 78, 79. Um, so right before the Islamic Revolution or during the Islamic Revolution. Um, and it's, it's, it takes place over two timelines. So one of the timelines is in 2020, where they're in their 60s, they're older, uh, and it's during the first lockdown, it's during the pandemic. And then the other timeline is um, them in the 70s. Um, and the way I've written it is, what, I re- what was really important to me is that you see these two older women in the, in the space and suddenly these memories flare up and flare out. So it's not really flashbacks as much as sort of like uh, these memories and these experiences are alive in the flat with them. And it's in an Edinburgh flat. And you kind of see these two women who don't speak to each other. They speak in general. They have, uh, you know, they have lives outside of outside of the flat. But because of the pandemic, they're forced to like be in the flat and be with each other all the time um, and it was really about exploring that that intimacy and that dependency um, and that yeah that that pain as well because as we find out sort of like a betrayal but something's happened in their past that has caused this um, but yet they stay they stay together uh, and they stay in this flat together um, yeah so that that that's that's the play basically. Um, it 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 it's not as well. And actually, I won't say more than that. Yeah, yeah, that's the play. <laughs> I love it when we ask people to say about the play or shows that are films that they're doing. They go and they get and then go. And I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to set it up too much. Like, yeah, yeah. How was it um, writing? Um sounds like quite a challenge if they don't if they're not speaking to one another for chunks of it how that's that sounds quite challenging um particularly theater so reliant on the spoken words um yeah can you speak to that a little bit that sounds that sounds tricky I I really I really loved I really loved writing it because particularly so I had worked with Caitlin um mostly again on readings and such uh but I was familiar with her work with um Melanie Jordan and the sort of like devised physical theater type stuff um so I knew that Caitlin would enjoy I don't even know what to call that so the scenes where they're not speaking um they are they are written and and the way I approached it was that I am there are certain rituals that the sisters do that need to stay as is 
but everything that I've written around it could, you know, you can adapt it, you can find it's all about, it's more about the sort of atmosphere, what the space feels like, what their relationship feels like. Um, and I've put sort of like things that they do, but obviously it doesn't have to. And, and what we've done with this production is that we did cut out and move stuff quite a lot. So the published version is not the same as the performed version in that, in that regard. Um, a lot of it has stayed the same, but yeah, but you need to tighten certain things and yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I think for me, generally my writing, my stage directions are not really stage directions. Uh, they're quite filmic. I think it's more, I think you see more of this in film scripts than in um, stage scripts. So it's about, it. they're usually quite playful. They're usually quite... Um, uh, I don't. I don't even know what the word for it is. The, the they this they they they're sort of building a, an atmosphere of what I would like the the stage, the moment, the interaction to feel like uh, or to be like. Uh, it doesn't have to stay the same, but it needs to it needs to retain that that emotional journey. Um, so yeah, I th I I think it was easier for me to do the scenes where they didn't speak than the scenes that they did speak, um, just because yeah, it was really fun sort of figuring out okay how do they sit in the space and how do they interact because they have to interact so they do interact they just don't speak, um, and yeah and sort of what what are what are the rituals? What are the, the 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 challenges? The games? The yeah that that sort of like what what would it be like if 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 I were in that position? Like what 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 would that what would I want that to feel like? I am really excited to see it. Um, I love that idea that when they like of the rituals that they're doing that mm -hmm. you haven't changed. So I'm really excited to see that as well. Um, and obviously I know that you've got like a movement director, choreographer on yeah. uh, the show as well. So that kind of sense of movement and words and not words as well is mm -hmm. so, I, I always find that really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I guess there's the question that probably everybody is going to ask you just now, Sarah, about the fact that, you know, it's two Iranian women. Yeah. And when you wrote this and started everything, we are now in 2022 and there is so much happening yeah. in Iran, um, especially for um, Iranian women and their allies yeah. uh, and the young people of Iran as well. And I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of people are asking you questions about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a big one. Like, like the decision. So when I first thought about this play, um, I thought a lot about whether they would be Egyptian or not. And I kind of wanted to step away from always writing about Egypt and Egyptian um, stories necessarily. Um, and I chose, I chose it on, I chose it on because uh, first of all, there's so many uh, um, Iranian uh, artists based in Scotland that are brilliant. And I was like, ah, that this opens up sort of like opportunities to work with them. Um, so that was really exciting. I also felt Iran was a sister culture to Egypt. Um, 
And I felt there was a lot of like parallels that um, didn't feel like it was too far from what um, from what I know that I could write about that. Um, and I also was really, really interested in um, knowing more, learning about the culture. And I read so many novels and poetry books and watched films that just really tried to um, under, understand as much as I can what that time particularly meant and what that, um, yeah, what that, what that, um, just what, what, yeah, but get, getting to know, getting to know the culture through the art, basically. And so that's why I sort of chose to set it as, as Iranian sisters. Um, also because I wanted a little bit of distance from it. I didn't want people to assume that this is something taken from me or my life or whatever, because so much when you're an Egyptian artist in, in this particular context in the UK, in Europe, so much is sort of taken as, oh, this is autobiographical. This is about your trauma. This is about, and obviously all my plays are a little bit about me, but they're not, they're all fictional. And they're all like, again, a processing of my world and stuff. Um, and one thing that this play for me that is um, close close to my experience, it is about moving to Scotland and deciding to stay without it being necessarily like an emergency or, you know, like it's, it's, they just, they just decide to stay and they just never go back. And that really speaks to, to me and my experience. Uh, and also they moved during quite a violent time and a revolutionary time. And that was, again, I moved here in 2011 during the Egyptian revolution. Um, and that and that feeling of like something big is happening back home and I'm not part of it. Um, now, the fact that it's happening again in Iran, I mean, the two revolutions are completely different. The Islamic revolution was was a disaster um, and is is the government is the regime they're trying to overthrow now. Um, but but the fact that it is a revolution and it's and, and it is women at the forefront. Obviously, it it it, it it's going to be a completely different experience of listening to this play, um, of listening to these women coming from Iran uh, in the seventies and like being quite scared about what's happening back home. Um, it's hugely. I've been trying to follow as closely as possible, um, which is hard to do because I'm not on. I've deleted all my social media, so I have to like go on the hashtags and stuff and try to figure out what is what is going on. Um, but it's hugely inspiring and really it's getting really, really, really violent at the moment. And I kind of um I hope that seeing this play or coming to attend this play or any any of that sort of engagement with the play does um push people to engage with that more because I do feel like we there needs to be more engagement with what's happening because it's huge and it's really all the footage coming out I mean it's getting really really violent now but all the footage coming out is is bringing me bringing me back to 2011 in Egypt and bringing back all those memories which is it's always 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 um a police it's a death in, death in custody that's what happened in Egypt as well so it's just and again it's not to obscure the two but to me like 
what's happening in Iran right now is is it's a it's it's a big thing. It's it's and and it needs our support and it needs sort of international attention. And I'm going to be completely honest. I'm a little bit deflated by the community here in terms of the artist community, particularly after what happened with Ukraine. And like, and not to, it's not like I'm not here to play oppression Olympics or whatever, or violence, you know, like I'm not, it's not about that, but, and I know Ukraine is a war and so on and so forth. But like when I saw the response from the theater community of like putting on plays, finding this, finding that, and doing all these things, statements, whatever, you know, there was such a huge collective response. And yeah, and and I mean, I'm not surprised, but I am a little bit disappointed, <laughs> you know, like what is ha- what's happening in Iran is 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 it's it's not it's, it's it's not a small thing. It's gonna have a ripple effect across the region. It could fund the, if they overthrow the regime, which I really hope they do. This will fundamentally shift everything in that part of the world, um, and the fact that it's young women at the forefront it's young men at the forefront they're teenagers being shot they're teenagers being beaten to death like really really young people um it's not a small thing and it really does need our support it really does need us to to focus on what's focusing on what's happening then in terms of the play obviously i didn't it wasn't on purpose <laughs> but it's a you know and this is i guess it goes back it goes back to what i was saying of of art and politics where i come from it's not a separate thing yeah and when you write about the intimate and the domestic it doesn't mean that it's not political and when you write about politics it doesn't mean it's not about the intimate and the domestic like we you live with both and you and you express both and i think Sister Radio in particular, out of all my work, does that. It's it's about it's about a quite a what can be seen as a small life in, in Edinburgh, but what they're dealing with and what they're talking about and what they're emotionally responding to is huge. It's you know, it's huge. Yeah. Um everything that you've said, and I think I'm just just to give us probably a little second and everything, but um, our theatre community does need to hold its hands up. We're not, we're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not doing enough, and I can say that as persistent and nasty. We've, we're, we're not doing enough. Um, but we are not a regular funded body with a whole team of people who can be doing stuff and making things happen. Um, and. You know, we are sharing what we can, but as you say, where is where is all the other stuff? There are young people dying and are mm-hmm. trying to change something so huge that we can't fucking comprehend it. And I do mm-hmm. sometimes wonder if that's why over here we go, oh. mm. but no, that's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. Get your shit together and get fucking out there and show that what theatre does best is it tells stories and it holds communities together when they're in time of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking sort it out, guys. Fuck <laughs> sake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. We're all exhausted. And it's 
like in terms of like demonstrate even demonstrations it's just like every week is a different thing that we need to go you know like it's it's a law it's a law and it's exhausting um but it, it there is definitely there is definitely a perception that that part of the world and that, that the part of the world that is the Middle East to North Africa or Southwest Asia and North whatever whatever the word is uh it's it's just seen like violence is part of that part part of part of being and and i do feel like the perception here is very much like as you said i don't know what to do with that it happens all the time um but it's just i, I and i wouldn't have said anything but seeing the response to ukraine or even seeing the response to black lives matter the summer before I was a bit like I think you should see Clara. <laughs> I think no, no, I think yeah. yeah. It's I it's, it's yeah, it's just like, well, what yeah, well, what about us? Yeah. <laughs> and I I you know, I include myself because I I see Egypt on that same trajectory, you know, like I, I think like and 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 that that was part, I mean you'll see in the play. But part of the difficulty for me living here was that I had to live here and sort of go about my normal day where no one knew about what was happening in Egypt and then go, you know, go home or like stay glued to my laptop all day, messaging my friends, being like, are you guys alive? Is everyone OK? Is everyone all right? Um so yeah, so it's like a we it's a weird it's a weird alienation, it's a weird isolation. Um it's a it's a weird state of being and yeah, a little bit. I think I think I think because the theater community has proved that it can offer so- solidarity. I just want to see it with Iran. I want to see it with Afghanistan. I want to see it with Palestine. You'd see it a little bit more with Palestine occasionally because I think the organization here, uh, the pro-Palestine sort of organization is quite strong. Um, but yeah, but I just, we've seen it in action. Let, let's do it. Something big is happening. Let's, let's, let's put it back into action is, is what I think. And I say this, but I haven't organized every, anything. You know, I could... Yeah, no, but you're big, right. And I think <laughs> the theatre community has demonstrated how quickly it can mobilise when it wants to. Yeah. And and I think the what the 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 less um agile they're being in response to or, or like or silent in fact uh, to this issue is it's it oh, it's very frustrating and it speaks to it speaks to everything that you're just talking about, the the undertones of patriarchy and 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 lack of understanding or perhaps a, a skewed perspective or a bigoted perspective about uh, those parts of the world and I think it's just it's troubling and and you're right the ramifications of what is going on are huge politically and socially and yeah mm-hmm. I think you're right and it's really important to vocalise that because we do need to point out to each other in the theatre community here in Scotland where we're where we're letting the side down <laughs> yeah I mean yeah yeah, so thank yeah. you for sharing it and you're yeah, absolutely you. right uh, for, mm. for doing so. Um, I mean, I could continue to talk to you <laughs> for literally hours, 
but it is a Thursday night. And as yep. you said, we're all knackered. <laughs> <laughs> we're all absolutely knackered. Um, yeah. So we finish with one question and I don't know if you know what the question is, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm okay. going to let Louise um, describe why we do it. So okay. we like to ask everybody what the term persistent and nasty means to them. And the reason we're called persistent and nasty is... Sure. Um, it's a response to a particular cultural moment. It's the uh, Elizabeth Warren and nevertheless she persisted thing combined with the nasty woman uh, mm-hmm. phenomenon that emerged during that heinous political moment in America. Um, and yeah, so it's just a kind of tongue-in-cheek, cheeky little reclamation of two words. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Cheeky. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? Ooh. Can I have a moment? You can have as long as you want. Mm. This is really hard. Persistent, <laughs> what does okay. it mean to me? <laughs> There's no right oh. or wrong. There's oh. no right or wrong answer. And I feel like uh, it can also it can also be an answer that we might it, it doesn't need to be nice. It doesn't need to be like <laughs> complimentary. <laughs> You can be like, I hate it, and here's why. That's also fine. It's re- I, yeah, I guess I struggle with it because because it's so American. <laughs> yeah, that's totally yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so each time I try to think of like, oh, what does that, what does that, uh, it, it could mean this or it could mean that, and I think of all these brilliant women that I really admire and like are just existing in their fullness and I love it and then and then I'm like yeah but nasty it's like this it's yeah persistent and nasty to me it's just it's just something very American about it about like sticking to um a male perception of of uh, which which I which is the whole reclaiming bit but yeah but I guess I'm struggling because I want to be like it's Fifi Abdu it's this it's that but I'm like yeah, but I don't want to call her nasty because she's not nasty at all. <laughs> that's totally fine. That is, completely, is a completely valid response. And yeah, yeah. that's totally fine. <laughs> that, sorry. No, don't apologize. Oh God, no. Nothing to apologize for. I, get, I totally get that. Hmm. And it's really important yeah. to say it as well. Before we do finish up, I do want to just let everybody know where Sister Radio is playing and the dates of where they can go and see it. Go and see it. Get your tickets now. We will link, obviously, everything in, in the description of today's episode, the show notes description. Pff, Jesus. Um, so your first stop is the Bayer Theatre in St Andrews on the 19th of October. Then you're at the Tron Theatre in Glasgow from the 21st to the 22nd of October. Perth Theatre, 27th and 28th. Lemon Tree in Aberdeen, 2nd of November. Derby Theatre, 4th, 5th and 6th of November. And then at the Traverse from the 10th to the 12th of November. And I thank you. Uh, (laughs) um, Everybody go and get yourself a ticket for this show. I can't wait to see it. I'm <laughs> I hope you like it. Oh, I'm sure bring, I will. Bring I'm... tissues. Oh, God. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> it's a bit of a tearjerker. I didn't mean it, but <laughs> what happened? That's okay. That's all right. No problem okay. at all. Um, so, 
until thank you so much Sarah for coming thank and joining so much. us no thank you guys it's been a blast brilliant chat thank you so much um can't wait to see the show yeah yeah and until next time lovely listeners stay, stay nasty, nasty. I think I might have done that was really good. Good. Is that that